Just a heads up, everyone. Though we look at things through an optimistic lens on this show, some of the topics may be triggering and some of the language may be adult. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm Jenna Edwards, and I've overcome some pretty serious adversity in my life. And I just recently realized it was all because of this mindset I call aggressive optimism. I knew I wasn't the only one living with this way of thinking, and as I always say, there's a million ways to do anything. So I wanted to do this podcast so I could have conversations with others and learn how they overcome adversity and achieve their big goals and dreams and create the life they want to live. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast, where we have conversations aimed to inspire you to go after your dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Edwards, and I truly believe if you dream it, it's possible. So let's get to it. I'm super excited, you guys. My guest today is Latinx actress, filmmaker, and human rights advocate, Tasha Dixon. Hi, Tasha. Hey, how you doing? I'm so good. So Tasha just recently completed an off-Broadway show about her life, which got rave reviews, you guys, from the New York Times, People, and LA Weekly, just to name a few. It's not, it's not too shabby, my friend. <laughs> and I can't <laughs> wait. to do something, I do it big. That's right. Go big or go home. That's well, right. I can't wait to talk to you about how you made that happen for yourself, Tasha. Um, really quickly, again, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I know. Me too. Me too. And one of the things I'm really excited to talk to you about is the fact that that off-Broadway show was written by This Is Us writer-producer Julia Brunel. She's freaking awesome. I what know. was it yeah. like to work with her? Well, we got to collaborate together in writing it, which was a fantastic experience. Um, yeah, so it's uh, an act that is based on a very eventful time moment encapsulated of my life. <laughs> and um, it's very interesting because my main push is to be an actress in TV and film. But uh, out in this town, you end up doing a lot of things. Like I edit, I produce, um, I write. And uh as an actress, you're always trying to get people to hire you. And you're like, here, look, I'm awesome. Here, I've done this latest thing. Here, here's my headshot. Here, here's my reel. Right. And <laughs> the interesting twist with this experience was that this amazing accomplished writer that has also written for Parenthood and a number of other fantastic shows was wow. sending me emails of her work and, um, you know, telling me, what an honor it is and how she hopes I consider her in doing this project together because I was very adamant that I wanted my story to be told as a comedy and the projects that she's worked on are more dramedies. They're more serious, mm. you know, with touches of comedy. So it was very interesting to have the tables turned where I had this prolific, uh, wonderful woman, uh, you know, saying, please consider me. I do write comedy too, even though all the work I've done on TV is, more dramatic here. Here's a, a project that I did that's a comedy. I was like, wow, wow, this is interesting. That is so interesting because it's, it just goes to show that we're all human and you never know what anyone else is trying to accomplish in their life unless you like put yourself out there and you ask or you just figure out a way to find out, right? Yeah. I love absolutely. that. That's such a great reminder, I think. 
Yeah. And it adds like, you know, this town can beat you down, um, which is some of the hardships that, you know, I've struggled with personally. Uh, and we so, definitely want to talk about that because I want our listeners to hear how you overcome those struggles. Because I think like we forget that those of us who maybe look like we're super successful and we are, we're living our best lives. Um, we also struggle on yeah. a regular basis. I think it's important to remember that we're all human and that's why I created the podcast and I called it aggressive optimism because if you believe that you can overcome anything that gets in your way for your, in the way of your dream, then that's it. Like that's everything in my opinion. So I definitely want to talk to you about like the struggles and the overcoming because as an actor, I mean, I know. It's like you, the word no is, is something you hear on a regular basis, probably more than any other career. Yeah, right no, and then also just the nothing. So you don't even know, like, <laughs> right. am I close to, to, to yes or not? Because I just, just like all of a sudden, oh, that was the thing that I auditioned for. Yes, I didn't get that. Oh, they picked right. that one? Oh, my gosh, so oh I thought I was funnier. Am I out, like, am I way off base in how I assess myself as an artist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so true, right? It's like no and crickets. Those are yeah. pretty much a, the common language. But this is to make you feel bipolar, honestly. <laughs> really will. It's so true. It's so true. And you said something really fascinating about wanting your story to be made into a comedy. Let's talk a little bit about that because it's very unusual. I think for most actors, they want to get really deep into the drama of it all. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so what is it about comedy that you love? Uh, well, that's the way that I tend to look at life <laughs> with the comedic lens for the most part. So, um, yeah, the thing that happened to, so basically the concept of this off-Broadway show is seven stories about women who came out against Donald Trump before the election and what happened to them after. And there are a lot of the stories that are very serious that, you know, our traumatizing events. Um, my circumstance had to do with when I was in Miss USA. And, you know, it was a crappy experience. But looking back on it, I can laugh at it. And to me, people love to laugh at beauty queens. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also wanted to be a part of a project that has levity and lightness to it, because mm. I did not want I was very adamant with the producers that I didn't want to be a part of something that where a reviewer, for example, might go, oh, it's just a bunch of women on their period, you know, ragging on their experience with this person. Like I want, I feel like the best way as an artist, uh, especially acting to affect people is to kind of hit them from different angles, mm -hmm. especially with this, uh, specific conversation that's in this project because people have their minds made up to a certain extent and people are tired of being a uh, finger pointed at and told that their idea is wrong their view is wrong i'm not even going to talk to those kind of people whatever side of the uh, argument you fall on yeah. but if you make somebody cry if you make somebody laugh if you make somebody go oh wow that was pretty crazy oh my gosh that was really true Wow, maybe I didn't think about it from that aspect. 
and you you let their defenses down and you're not like saying somebody's view is wrong you're just sharing this experience that happened and it makes it more relatable so that's why i was very adamant that i wanted mine to be comedy and like i said people love to laugh at beauty queens and <laughs> I, I like the funny side of life i'm doing silly dances like all the time and uh yeah. you know i love improv and all that kind of stuff so that's where I really wanted my story to be told with a sense of humor. That's amazing. And so you were getting courted by this incredibly talented writer, producer. And what was the like biggest challenge you had in, I mean, you're telling a really traumatic story. And I think that so many people, it's a story so many people can relate to. Um, and I struggle myself with like telling these stories without, without traumatizing even further, if you will. And so I'm curious about what the, what the challenges were in making this story a comedy and how you overcame those challenges. Well, um, so one of the things, and Julia is, was really fantastic at this, was making it funny without just making trope cliches that everybody mm. has come to know about beauty queens or judge about beauty queens or whatever. And um, she, we decided to make mine a story with five characters in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, to also give the opportunity to as many women as possible to be in the project. So there's a little bit of myself in each of the characters, but we decided to do that just again, to give more opportunities to women and, and people of color to have an opportunity to be in a show. And um, that's amazing. Yeah. And also since it's a, you know, it's a show that uh, basically when a lot of us came out, it was the first iteration of the Me Too movement and uh, then ended up, you know, the Weinstein stuff came after and all of that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people because I produced it out in L.A. after we did it in New York. And I had women who were a part of the show as actresses that, you know, they pulled me aside and told me, look, I had my own Me Too experience, but I never spoke about it. I never came out about it. But it's so cathartic to be able to uh, perform and, and embody an iteration of it without having to put themselves on the line and like tell their personal story. So that's another really great thing about this show and making this project is like my quote that like is on my Twitter and stuff is your voice matters because yes. people think, you know, like to me, some of the biggest problems in the world is when people don't feel like they're seen or heard, they will start acting out and they will act out more and more and more until it becomes a horrific event that, you know, hurts people. And like a lot of the, these problems in the world stem from people feeling so angry, so depressed, so isolated, and nobody sees them. And if, if we would just stop and listen or take note, even if we vehemently disagree, at least seeing where they come from. And like, I disagree with that. But now I can at least understand where you're coming from. Here's where I'm coming from. Is there a way we can meet in the middle? It dissipates that that hatred, that anger, that all of those like hostile feelings. And so this project for people, uh, women who feel like they can't come out about being victimized, it has helped them therapeutically play these characters that they can embody without 
feeling like they're letting themselves out that they're not ready to do. That's so incredible. And I 100% agree with you. I oftentimes say like, you can't punch someone in the face and then ask them to be nice to you. We have to go, we have to approach each other as humans. And yeah, even though I vehemently disagree with a lot of people, I'm not going to like automatically scream at them. Right. And that's just a psychological thing. I studied psychology in college. And so I, you know, I think oftentimes people don't understand human behavior to that level. And I love that you were able to tap into that. And do you think that the, um, the actresses that got to play you (laughs) basically, um, felt even better being able to laugh through that process? I think so. I mean, the ones that I've worked with both in New York and Los Angeles, you know, they took it seriously and, uh, you know, they had care and concern for me and like what I went through. Um, but yeah, they had fun with it and they were able to round out the characters. Cause like I said, it was important for Julia and myself to like make it funny but also have each character fully rounded as a human being uh to understand where you know everybody's coming from and the true impact that those kind of situations can put upon somebody for the long term and the 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 way it changes the course of people's lives yeah and do you think that um Like within that framework, what was the biggest challenge for you watching these other women play you, (laughs) basically, you know? So um, most of the beats are completely true and 100% accurate, but then also there's certain things that are creative liberties as happens, you know, Mm -hmm. to make a thing more entertaining or to help, you know, state the, the theme and the example of what's being made. So like the hardest part was a couple of things of like, even like me as my character said that I didn't necessarily say or feel, but I understood the project as a whole. Like, like Julie and I had conversations about it and hashed it out where I'd be like, I don't feel this way or I wouldn't have said this. And then she's like, well, in the body of the text, this has the arc of, you know, telling the story with the theme as opposed to we could do this the way that you said it, but then it's just you're more one note, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, definitely. I think it was, that it was wonderful to, to, to do the whole thing as, as the vision that she had, but it's also this weird, surreal experience of it's your life, but then you didn't really you can only imagine that and you have to like grapple with, okay, but me as this character in this exact situation, <laughs> you're like, but wait, this is me as this character. What? And your brain must have exploded like a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely surreal as I'll get out. <laughs> I bet. And I think you kind of answered my question of how you had to overcome that, which is something I I often talk about, especially in my old podcast, Indie Movie Mastery, is like you have to figure out what the goal of the project is and do what's best for the project. Do you think that that is how you overcame those, those challenges for yourself? Definitely. Yeah. It's about, at the end of the day, it's about being a storyteller. And, you know, getting people to understand the context of the situation and feel ideally, you know, like at least the way that I work as an artist is to give, allow people the compassion to 
start to understand what it's like to be in that person's shoes. Mm-hmm. So with that being said in the body of the whole, then that's how I'm able to, because as an artist, especially as an actress, you don't, or an actor, you don't want to judge the character that you're portraying, you know, even if it's something you would absolutely never do. If you want to play that role, you have to not judge the character, you know, because if you're judging the character, you will always be doing it from a superficial third person stance of like, I'm playing this part, but I don't agree with what they're doing, you know, (laughs) like serial killer or something. It's like, you kind of have to surrender to that person's worldview of why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. Play it real you know absolutely that's so interesting um i i can't remember who uh, talked about this i feel like it was meryl streep who says you have to fall in love with your character mm-hmm. like you have to find the pieces of that character like you just said uh, even a serial killer you have to find that one piece that you love and you have to play from that space right definitely it's so so interesting. And within that context, I know um, meaning like falling in love and, and representing these characters that maybe don't look and feel like you as, you know, a human. I really want to talk about what you're doing right now with this Anne Frank project because it's fascinating to me when people get together and they portray these historical characters like Anne Frank was a Jewish Jewish person and you are doing a Latinx version of that play, right? right. Am I yes. saying it correctly? Yes. So tell us a little bit about that and why it's important to have different perspectives on something, like I said, that's historical. Absolutely. Um, so we started, it's pretty, it's been a pretty great journey that they're actually doing a documentary on as well. Wow, um, that's cool. Yeah, we started in a small, tiny black box theater uh, in West Hollywood last year in September. Uh, my director, really, he's Jewish, and he saw the parallels with what was happening at the border, or what is happening at the border, oh. to what was happening in Germany what happened to the Frank family and wanted to do it's the Broadway version that Natalie Portman starred in but with all Latinx actors and he was inspired by a CNN piece of a Jewish woman that actually lives in LA that took in a Hispanic mother and her kids after the husband got deported and they were living on the streets because they were afraid to go back home uh, because the government knew where they lived because the husband was actually trying to um, get citizenship the right way. And he went in for, you know, like to sign papers and they just deported him. And the wife was in the same boat. The children were born in America. So they just never went back home. And, you know, they're having a hard time living on the streets. So this Jewish woman um, housed them. And when my director saw this is really happening in the United States, he thought, well, I want to do this project. And it has since grown. We did another iteration in January. And then now we're going to do um, a few days and evenings in Beverly Hills at a 250 seat theater at uh, Temple Emmanuel. Yeah. So we're doing it with the blessing of the Jewish community at Temple Emmanuel in October. Oh, that's such a beautiful space. Oh, I haven't been. I'm very oh, my excited. gosh. It's so beautiful. 
oh, yay. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to that. And then after that, in November, we're getting flown up to Vancouver, Canada to do five performance for the Chutzpah Festival. So it's continuing to grow and we do it for schools as well. And we've had a number of Holocaust survivors come speak at our Q&As wow. after the shows. So the importance of the sentiment, whether you choose to see it from the Latin perspective of what's happening in the United States or just carrying the candle of what happened to the Frank family, um, no matter how you look at it, it's important to keep telling that story to make sure we stop, we see the signs and we stop these atrocities from happening again. That's amazing. Wow. I, I did not realize that that was what the project was. And I'm so glad that you took the time to explain it. I think it's beautiful and wonderful. And I have a, <laughs> it might seem like a silly question, but there's a reason behind it. So bear with me. Mm-hmm. When you do projects like this, I can only imagine because I spend some time on Facebook and there are a lot of people who with the sentiment, not in my friends group because I've curated my friends pretty gold dang well. Um, but like, you know, the sentiment with some people is I roll. We've heard this story before. Like, why are you rehashing the past? All of those types of things. What, as a person, do you do to keep moving forward with being an advocate and an activist and what you say being a beacon for other people of color and women when they're surrounded by people who are rolling their eyes and being like, I don't want to hear your Me Too story. I don't want to hear your people of color story. You know, all of that stuff. Like, what is it that keeps you going? Um, I would say what keeps me going, especially you know, the, the times that I have spoken out with my story is realizing that your one voice represents hundreds, if not thousands of people. Mm. So when I came out, uh, in 2016, you know, I had a number of people, both strangers and friends and family, um, messaging me these, you know, crazy stories, intimate stories, stories they said they've never told a soul and just like writing me or calling me and talking to me about um, things that happened to them that, you know, they either thought they were the only one or they were shamed about it or, you know, and they found strength in what I said or they felt like I, they felt like they could tell me or um, even not that, even just strangers messaging me because this was right before the election and saying like, thank you for being one voice I feel like is actually telling the truth. I can't trust any of these people but I feel like what you were saying is honest and real. And, you know, people are kind of sick of being lied to, not kind of like everybody's fed up with being lied to with, you know, all these, we find out these corporate scandals one after another, Equifax, the Russian aging app, like all this stuff that we just keep, you know, to have (laughs) someone someone telling the truth. It's so refreshing. So, um, you know, I just, I know what I'm saying and doing and acting that I'm a good person. So I just lead with that. And I never tell anybody how to think or how to do, like, even if you go back and watch my interview, I never tell anybody how to vote or anything. I'm just sharing my experience and let this be something you consider in, you know, how you choose to vote or live your life or, you know, look at women or whatever the case may be. Um, 
because I'm a big believer that people should make up their own minds, but they should make up their own minds based on, you know, accurate information. Mm, I love that. And so has it always been like that for you or have you ever struggled with sharing your story? Oh, um, I'm the type of person that is like what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. So I will call a spade a spade. So I, I tend to not have a problem with speaking out. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I have other problems. Like I have more social anxiety and problems with being too hard on myself, but, (laughs) but if I see an injustice is something that I have the strength, that's a superpower I can do. So that's so interesting because I would think that social anxiety would stop you from doing that. It's stopping me sometimes. And so I'm curious how you overcome that. Um, Oh yeah. So, um, I guess you could say I'm a bit of a weird bird. I'm I'm an introverted extrovert. (laughs) I have a problem. So I have a problem with like the tooting my own horn, which is horrible for this industry because you really have to be like constantly telling people I'm doing this thing and I'm in that thing here. And, and I don't like to do that. I really just want to be noticed for doing it instead of. Tasha, we need you to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got to get the talented, funny out there on television. Any uh, television people listening, Tasha's awesome. By the way, I met her working on a project, so I can safely say from a producer's perspective, so great to work with. Okay. Oh, you are amazing. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. But anyway, continue your, (laughs) your odd bird having problems promoting yeah. but not talking. Yes. so when it's about or for someone else I can be completely outspoken and it could be the silliest thing it could be like if you and I are hanging out and uh I don't know your favorite actor is like across the room and you're like oh my god I've never met him and he's so cool and oh my god I'm blah, 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 but I can't go up to him or whatever I will no problem go up to him for you and be like hey you know, my friend is a fantastic actress and artist and she has a podcast. Would you like to be on it? Why don't you come meet her? And I have no problem like really like bolstering other people or or something. So that you're an awesome wingman and we need to go out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But when it comes to me, I'm just like, oh, I can't. Like, oh. So that's where uh, when I knew it was for the greater good of people, I have no problem stepping out. But when I feel like it's just for me, I don't know. I feel a little bit like, who are you to brag about yourself? (laughs) Yeah. I used to have that problem. And this year, and I still do sometimes, I mean, nobody's perfect. Right. But this is something I decided to intentionally work on with myself because I realized, uh, about a year ago that if we don't, elevate our status, we can't help anybody else. Ooh, that's a good one. Right? I'm going to have to get notes from you offline. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this is why we're doing the podcast. I'll say them online. But (laughs) because I feel like this is something that especially women struggle with, right? It's like that whole idea. And I just quoted um, Oprah on my last podcast as well, but she was saying like for years she kept thinking um, or people kept saying to her, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And finally one day she's like, I'm Oprah. This is who I am. Uh-huh. You know, and I was like, that's so such a powerful thing to step into. It doesn't make us egomaniacs. It doesn't make us like 
think that we're better than anybody else. But I realized when I came back from my road trip cross country that if I wanted to help my friends and help spread a bigger message of equality, I needed to have that that power in the room, right? And for years, I thought of the word power as totally disgusting. Like it took me literally physically practicing out loud saying the word power without like making this wincing face. <laughs> months, months, I like sat there and I'm like, no, power is my word. Power is my word. And because we really can't do as much if we don't have it. That's just reality, right? So it's a perspective shift that I want to share with the audience and you um, that's really helped me because it's not about us. It's about elevating our message so that we can help everybody else. Oh, that's so good. You're like my therapist right now. <laughs> Yay, I love it. You know, I think that that's my, my whole goal in life is to share those, those lessons because I, 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 I know I'm not the only one that struggles with them, and you're proof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my thing is uh, I always used to equate, or, you know, I'm still working on it. I used to equate confidence with cockiness, and I hate oh, totally cocky people. <laughs> so then I totally make myself small because I felt like those two things were the same thing. So it's taken a lot of untangling, like you with the word power, of realizing, no, confidence is like being so relaxed that, it, you just can exude you without right. trying. It's the without trying part. It's just the confidence is that you feel so relaxed in a moment that like you can truly let your light shine of being yourself, not push it, not right. bravado it, but just be it. I love that. You know, what's so fascinating. And this is something I talk about all the time. And I hope that it comes across on the podcast is that there's a million ways to do everything. And so you have to find the way that works for you. And as you and I are talking, I'm realizing we're both motivated by helping other people. And for so sure. if we start shifting our perspectives towards what does building my confidence do for others, everything changes, right? What does building my power do for others? Everything changes. Like I have a really great friend who loves power because it's fun for her right? She doesn't have that negative connotation attached to it. It's just when she walks into a room, if people notice her, it's a, it's a thrill. And so her motivation for it is very different. Not that it's good or bad. It's just different, right? Mm -hmm. And our motivation is about other people. So we just have to shift the perspective. Yeah. Because what's best for the project? That's the ultimate question. And the project <laughs> is elevating other people. Then we have to get the confidence and the power. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> fascinating. I love that type of philosophy and that mindset work. It's like I'm addicted to it. So I could go on for hours. But I will not. Because <laughs> we're almost out of time, if you can believe it. Oh, goodness. So I could I, talk for hours, too. I know, right? Oh, my gosh. So I would love to ask you, when you were first starting to pursue your dream, which by the way, everybody who's listening is film and television as an actress, uh, <laughs> when you were first pursuing your dream, like if you could go back to that day or that moment in time, what would be the advice you would give yourself? Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's, a, it's an easy question, Tasha. I don't know why you're hesitating. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be the, it would be what I said. Confidence is not cockiness, you oh, know, wow. and like, don't, 
don't make yourself smaller to make other people bigger. So that's like another thing that, um, cause like when I was in grade school, I was really shy. And then later I'd make friends with people and they would be like, Oh wow, you're so nice. I thought you were a bitch. And I'm like, or sorry, I thought you were a B word. You and can I'm, say it. It's fine. We're adults <laughs> having adult conversations. And, um, I'm like, what? That's like the last thing. And then it was like this like horrible loop I was in of like, then feeling even worse about myself and getting more shy and introverted because now I'm seeing that people are thinking that I'm the certain way when I'm really trying to do extremely the exact opposite. So then I was like, okay, I need to make myself smaller so that they feel elevated. And mm. that's not the case. Like if you, if you're a good person, then you should just be confident being you to the fullest extent because that is the thing that will inspire people mm -hmm. to become their greatest selves and be attracted to you to collaborate and make something better than the both of you. Because I love synergy and I love when you can like collaborate with other people and make something greater than what either of you thought of or brought to the table. I'm like, Absolutely. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. And it's so true I think for a lot of people what you just described in grade school is and I think it's also important to remember right confidence comes from being secure in who you are cockiness comes from insecurity yeah it's absolutely. just an energy shift right so I love that that's the advice um, if you could share with our listeners one resource that you have found super helpful in keeping your mindset where it needs to be to overcome any of life's challenges, what would it be? Oh, goodness. Okay, so there is this wonderful woman named Sonia Sophia, which both Sonia and Sophia in different languages mean wisdom, which I thought is wonderful. Wow. And she has this um, program, I guess you could call it, called EFT, which is Emotional Frequency Technique. And basically, she has you say words of affirmation while you're tapping different parts on your body uh, that are acupuncture points, right? So you're just tapping it on yourself while you're saying these words of affirmation, like, I love and respect myself. Uh, you know, I, I may have doubts in myself, but that's okay. And you're tapping everything from, like, on your fingers to the temples of your head to your heart. And you keep going over these uh, mantras and it really provides a breakthrough in changing your perspective. So, so in her idea, uh, energy gets stuck and there's certain things, what, no matter what part of the world you go to, people who speak different languages, you know, if you have a heartbreak, you'll like clutch your heart. Or if you have a headache, you'll like tap your temples or the middle of your, up at the top of, by your nose, between your eyes. So she has you tap on these points where energy gets stuck so that you can flow through it and it helps release trauma. It helps release past grievances with yourself, with other people. Um, so I would definitely say to check out Sonia Sophia. I know she has a website. She has free practices, like free videos. Oh, cool. where you can do it. And it's really, you think it's silly and it's not going to work and you'll even kind of be giggling about it. And she'll even speak to that. <laughs> tapping, she'll be like, I think this is ridiculous, but I'm trying it anyway. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. And you'll be like from like rolling your eyes to then all of a sudden bawling your eyes out. And like it's this amazing. stuff just like comes out and through and it gets it moving. Don't you know? be afraid of that, guys. If you've never done it, it's just a release of energy so that you can move forward 
lighter and with joy <laughs> just to want yes. people to be like oh my god I don't want to do anything that makes me cry <laughs> <laughs> it's That's a good amazing. thing trust me <laughs> what I said it's a good thing trust me yeah I believe me it totally is so um for our listeners we're going to post links on your show page uh where they can find you and learn about all of your stuff and I'll put the link up to Sophia's page um and as crazy as it sounds, Tasha, we are out of time. Oh my gosh, that was so fast. <laughs> I know. I appreciate you giving us all of your time and your wisdom and your just really fun energy. And I, I just am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. Oh, much you. needed in this community and world and time we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, thank you. I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna keep going because it's about other people, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, to those of you listening, thank you so so much for giving us your time and attention. I will talk to you tomorrow here on the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I was your host. I am your host, Jenna Edwards. And yeah, check out aggressiveoptimism.com and search Tasha. Dixon for this show and all of her amazing insight and resources. Until then, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you'll join me next time. The Aggressive Optimism Podcast is made possible through affiliate programs. So if you'd like to support the podcast and get some really great products for yourself, head on over to the offerings page at aggressiveoptimism.com. And if you want a little more aggressive optimism in your life, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Jenna Edwards Life. I'll see you over there. Until then, have a good one.